Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see all of you. So someone told me I heard today is kind of a special day. So what day is it? It's, oh, it's Sunday, right? It's Father's Day? Oh, okay, Father's Day. So sometimes Father's Day for me is kind of an afterthought, right? It kind of falls after Mother's Day. So you already get this kind of second citizen kind of perception. <laughs> I have this routine when I get up in the morning, uh, even before I brush my teeth or, or go wash up, I have to pick up my phone because I have to look at if I got any messages, text messages, uh, emergency calls from my patients, uh, emails that I have to handle before the day starts. And then I eventually get to Facebook to see some postings. And <laughs> this morning I saw something that was really cute. Uh, one of my friends in Southern California, her young son, got up and uh, said to his father, I really love you a lot, Dad. And then there was this long pause. Then he said, but I love Mom just a little bit more. <laughs> so, you know, children have a certain way of saying the truth. And for dad, sometimes that is the truth that we experience. And it's not that hard. If you look into statistics, and if you believe the statistics, I looked up um, uh, the American Greeting Cards Association. You know, the number one seasonal card is obviously Christmas. It just outnumbers all other cards spent uh, that are bought. And then the second category is actually Valentine's Day. Then the third one is Mother's Day. Then comes Father's Day. But also, if you, but you compare the numbers, it's almost... I believe, what is it, uh, almost 43 million more Mother's Day cards are bought over Father's Day. That's a lot of cards. And then if you look at how much money people will spend this year, the National Retail Association say that um, moms will get uh, spent with overall the restaurants and dinners and, and, and gifts and flowers and candies. They get 30% more than dad's. And if you actually do the total amount, it's actually $7 billion more spent on Mother's Day over Father's Day. So, you know, you get this kind of sense that dads don't get the same kind of respect and honor. <laughs> but if you're here today as a dad, I have a message from you from God that God loves you and he has a special plan for you. And, and my message, as I was preparing for today, I had to do a little research. And part of my research was to go to some of my spiritual mentors. And one of mine is Pastor Wayne Okamachi. And I saw this message that he gave on Father's Day uh, last year. And actually, I listened to it, and there were some good points. I'm going to borrow some of his, and I'm also going to add some of mine and kind of blend it together. And that's what we're going to have for today's message. And it's essentially, what five things would Jesus say to dads? What five things would Jesus say to dads? And I hope that these words will be encouraging to you, inspiring to you, instructive, also a warning, but also mostly to give you peace and comfort and healing. So the first thing, the first thing I would think that Jesus would say to dads is that you are not alone in your partner, uh, in parenting, that God is your partner. In Matthew 28, verse 20, it says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Jesus speaking. And it comes from right after the Great Commission, right? Jesus gives us all a mission to go into the world, right? To go make disciples of all nations. Going and teaching them everything that he has taught us. 
so that they may obey those, those commandments. But right after that, Jesus gives this reassurance that he will never abandon us, that he will be always with us. And according to Scripture here, to the very end of the age, I take that means for an eternity, that forever Jesus will be with us in our mission. In life, Jesus will not abandon us. He will be with us at our workplaces. He will be with us when we are at school. He will be with us when we are in our neighborhoods. And especially, he will be with us in our families. And being a dad is a gift from God. It's a great honor. It is a great privilege that some of us have. And it comes with a great deal of responsibility. Truly, it's an important responsibility and one that demands from dads quite a bit, right? If you're a father, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of initiative to be a dad. But with all these different roles we play and hats we wear... We will get tired. We will get frustrated. We will get angry. We will hit a wall sometime. It's not whether if we hit that wall, we will hit that wall. And it's those moments when we hit that wall, when we want to give up, when we want to lash out, when we want to just run away, God gives us this word to remind us. It's words that always have comforted me, and it's Come my life first. Matthew, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those words have always been a comfort for me. And as a dad, sometimes we need to hear those words when we're tired. When we're burdened, we need to go to Jesus because Jesus promises that he will give us rest. But oftentimes when we hear those scripture verses, we stop. We stop when we hear, come to me and I will give you rest. And we don't continue to read on because it's just as important to read the following verses that come after those words. Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And so a yoke, yoke is, comes from the farming uh, uh, lingo of, of oxen when they're plowing the fields. There's this apparatus that harnesses oxen together, so they're paired up and they're plowing the field together. It helps them to stay in line and also lighten the load. And so what Jesus is saying here, my yoke is easy, is that we are yoked to Jesus. So when we're fathering, when we're parenting, we're not doing it alone. We're doing it along with Jesus. And because his yoke is easy, he is carrying some of the burden for us. And that's important to note when those times you hit that wall. That Jesus' yoke is easy and he says my burden is light. Jesus reminds us when we make that commitment to follow him, we are yoked with him. And like oxen are yoked together to plow the fields, his yoke is easy. And when we are fathering, Jesus is there with us, helping us, carrying us along the way. And here's another word from, from God that, that might help some of us fathers. And also may help moms too. Any of you, us who are parents. Um, during a difficult time. And difficult times and when raising kids will always come. They tend to come when their children are teens. And when Terry was at, uh, my wife Terry was in our Bible study fellowship. One of the women gave her this word uh, from the scripture. And it's from Isaiah 54, verse 13. 
All your sons, and I add, and daughters will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. Again, all your sons and daughters will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. Our children's peace comes from our Lord God. And it says here from the scripture that God will teach our children. As parents and as dads, we try our best, but we're not perfect. But God is perfect. And it says here, when we lack something in our teaching, it reminds us that God will teach our children. Because God is perfect, and he does not lack anything. So my question for all of us here, especially for dads, are you tired? Are you frustrated? Ask God for his help today. And as he promises, he will give you rest. There's a a book that uh, apparently is titled, Hurting People Hurt People. Hurting People Hurt People. And if you think about it, even if you didn't read that book, that makes sense, right? Oftentimes when people are hurt, they manifest as hurt by lashing out and, and hurting other people through their behavior. But Jesus wants us to know something different. He says, hurting people don't have to hurt people. And I hope that frees some of us by realizing that Jesus says this, that hurting people don't have to hurt people. Some of us, unfortunately, in a room this size, I would have to assume some of us here have come from families that are highly dysfunctional. That you have come from families where fathers have been abusive, not just physically, but at least emotionally abusive to you. You have come from Uh, relationships that are broken. We are all broken people. By nature, we are all broken and in need of some form of healing. And then scripture tells us, Bible tells us, this brokenness is called sin. And Apostle Paul tells us there there is a remedy and begins first by being transparent. Being transparent means you stop being perfect that you admit you have faults and that you have a problem and that you can fail. And that begins the process of healing. One cannot be spiritually mature until one becomes spirit, uh, emotionally mature. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, he being God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Our pain, our brokenness, can continue to manifest in us as we parent. We express them in unhealthy ways towards others, including our own children, but begin the healing by confessing your sins to God, and he will forgive you as he has promised. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new Christian. The old has gone, the new has come. When we profess to come to Jesus to be his followers, we have this new hope. We have this new hope of overcoming our past. That our old selves are thrown away like old clothes. And we get to put on new clothes, being our new selves. And this new self that we get comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. 
In Jesus, we have the hope of being a new self, and the old self is discarded. And we cannot do this on our own. It is something that we are dependent upon Jesus to help us with. And it is through the Holy Spirit that this transformation, this healing can happen. So do you trust that the Holy Spirit can change you, can heal you from your past, from those hurts? Uh, Months ago, some of us had opportunity on our staff to go visit City Team Ministries in San Francisco, which is one of the ministries that we we partner with. And we met Jonathan Sinkai, and he showed us around the facilities, and he began to tell us stories of the happenings at, at City Team. And he introduced to one guy there that was um, one of the residents and about how he had changed. He had grown up in a very abusive family. He, his mother and his father really almost hated him. They told him he was ugly. They told him he was stupid, that he was good for nothing. And, and it is in this environment that he was essentially physically, emotionally, mentally abused. And obviously he grew up just to be a very hateful, very angry person. He lived out his life in crime, committed uh, a lot of heinous acts, burglary, drugs, uh, alcohol. It was only until he went into prison, got into uh, and released into the city team ministries, into rehab, that he, by finding Jesus, he actually began to find the peace that he could never understand in the environment that he was growing up in. And if you met him, he, he, it was kind of a night and day thing that you could actually genuinely see his genuine change. And an, another story that, that Jonathan shared was when um, uh, Monterey County sends a lot of their, their uh, payrollies, the parolees, out. They release them into the community and they send them actually into, into San Francisco and to go through rehab before they're released into the streets. So some of them end up at City Team Ministries. And as part of their payroll process, uh, an officer comes and visits them ever so often. And when that officer came, she noticed a significant difference in, in the men that she has to follow up with. And she told them that the difference that she noticed was that these men, apparently making their commitment to follow Jesus, now actually engage in conversation with her as a peace officer, where before they would be very disrespectful or actually not even have eye contact, uh, would just say, say short, very short answers. But when she met them, they were cheerful, they were polite, they looked her in the eye, shook her hand, and actually had a conversation with them. Jonathan and some of his coworkers, when they went to a awards banquet in, in Monterey County, all the judges stood up and, and gave them a standing ovation because they, they realized the statistics don't, don't lie, that men that go through their program, a Christian organization that goes through and leads these men to know Christ, when these men have made their commitment to follow Jesus, they have, through City Team Ministries, almost a 100% success rate of not returning to jail. And the judges know that saves them a lot of money and saves them a lot of court time. So that's a, that's a, a fact that, that normally it, 70%, 80% of uh, 
previous inmates go back to prison. But through City Teens Ministry work, through the work of the Holy Spirit, these men are transformed and they are now changed. As fathers, sometimes I have, uh, if I'm no different to you, I have a difficulty of saying I'm sorry. It's something that was trained into me, something I didn't really get modeled well in me. So I have difficulty doing that. But Jesus tells me that I need to try. And out of anger, I have often said stuff that has hurt my children. And then I have to go back to them when I've calmed down to apologize for the things I have said. As fathers, as parents, we don't want to ever cause our children to stop communicating with us. I know during the teen years, this is difficult. And I know that sometimes this may be a challenge. So hurt people don't have to hurt people. And it begins by having this question, are you confessing your sins to God for forgiveness? And this will set you free. A third thing that I think Jesus would warn dads by saying is, don't exasperate your children. And it's from Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. As dads, we often need to say uh, hard truth to our children, right? But we can't not say it without the grace side, the love side. It's both truth and love. It's not inseparable. They both have to go together. There's kind of be a balance between the two. But oftentimes we make mistakes and we get tired and weak, so we frustrate our children, and sometimes we have to make amends afterwards when we do. And, and when we do uh, hurt our children, sometimes we, we um, are at risk of losing them. And I think as a father, that is one thing uh, I made it a goal, is that I would never want to lose my children. And one way that we would lose our children is that they would stop talking to you, stop communicating. And, and that's kind of a warning sign. If your children aren't talking to you, that you may have lost them. There's no way of expressing your values to uh, bring instruction there's no negotiating if there's no communication. And I know sometimes we want to be as truthful as, as, um, as we can, but without the love side, if we forget that, we can have uh, this risk of losing our children. And so that's one thing that, that, that as parents, especially as dads, because dads can, we, we tend to blow up a lot easier sometimes. We need to remember that we can't exasperate our children, not to frustrate them or anger them, that they will turn away and shut us down. Because if we lose them that way, we won't be able to communicate for them for a very long time. So my question for dads, are you mindful of your children? Are you not exasperating them? Are you talking with your children? And are your children talking with you? Jesus wants to also remind dads by telling them to love your children by loving their mother even more and ultimately loving God the most. Again, loving your children. If you want to love your children more, the best thing you can do is to love their mother more 
and ultimately love God the most. When, when uh, I got married, you know, you never know when you're going to have children. And, and when you do, there's nothing in life that really prepares you as well as being thrown into the fire. Um, you can see uh, your own parent, parenting from your own fathers. And sometimes our fathers are not the greatest fathers. Uh, sometimes we watch other fathers. Uh, you can read books. Today, I guess you can go on the internet and read uh, uh, stuff off the internet on blogs. But there is nothing that can substitute real life experience. And then after all these years of parenting and, and fathering, I think I've come up with this, this uh, one pearl. It doesn't always work. Meaning what you hear from other people may not apply to your own situation. That every person's uh, child, every parenting situation is going to be unique. And sometimes what you've heard from others may not work. And that can be frustrating. But actually, it's been kind of releasing to me to know that, you know, you try your best, but sometimes you got to figure it out, whatever's going to work for that particular time. And, and so... Becoming a father is something that you just got to go through. And when you look at some of the instructions about what it is to be a husband and a father, it's pretty, pretty uh, um, stressful, to be honest. It's really heavy, the things that, that, that are expected of dads. You know, it's, in this world, a lot of times, the understanding of what a dad has to go through is only understood by other dads. There are so many expectations. There's expectations from work. There's expectations from friends. There are expectations from family. There's expectations from church members. There's expectations from your own children. And among all these expectations that we try to manage, we try to be perfect. And in a culture that's, that, that, that strives for perfection, it's not possible. And we will burn out. We will fail. And so it's better to realize we can't do it on our own. Ephesians 5, verse 25 says these things to to husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. As a husband, and given this thing is to love my children more, is to love my wife more, that comes to mind. But I know as, as a husband, and some of you husbands out there, when you hear those words, to be like Jesus is so threatening. Meaning, that's almost impossible. How can I love my wife just as Jesus loved the church? Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. And according to the scripture here, God through the Apostle Paul, is instructing husbands to love their wives just as Jesus loved the church. That's a high calling. That's a high demand. But it's something, apparently, we are to do. And, and I encourage you, it, sometimes we think, I think I've heard this uh, analogy, is that a lot of times when we hear this, we think about stepping in front of a gun and taking a bullet for a wife, Right? That's the kind of sacrifice that we imagine that's being asked here. But that's far from the truth. Actually, I don't think my wife would, 
would, would uh, um, appreciate me stepping in front of a gun for a stop a bullet for her. I think she appreciates more if I, I keep the toilet seat down or if I wash the dishes, if I wash her car, do the yard, and do all the little chores, the daily little things, picking up the kids, taking him, putting him to bed, reading bo- stories to them. Those are the things I think are expressions of loving your wife more. In our busy daily lives, it's not the big things that are usually the things that mean anything. It's the little things, the daily things, the hard things, the things that nobody actually notices is the ways that we will appreciate and affirm and love our wives. It requires being sacrificial. It does require dying to oneself, to not be selfish, but a servant like Jesus. I read a study recently that came out, I guess it was a Canadian study, that especially for daughters, if dads, you have daughters, if you do household chores, if you cook, if you clean, iron, it actually um, models to your daughter a future mate, of the kind of men that they would want to, to eventually be married to. And also it models there's no gender differences, that actually girls that see their dads doing that empowers them to to risk a little bit more and go into professions that are not traditionally for girls or women. By seeing dads go out of the box and not do what so-called tend to be women chores, if men will do them, it actually brings up a more balanced and healthier daughter. It doesn't seem to work for sons, though. So the study says it has no difference. But for daughters, it does make a difference. So being sacrificial, loving your, your, the mother of your children, this is very important because children need stability. Children need safety. When they see their parents arguing, they see their parents in conflict, when they see parents that are not happy with each other, they are emotionally stressed out. There are studies that show that. That children see how their parents are interacting and affects their emotional stability. If they see them arguing all the time, they sense a divide between their parents, the children will feel unsafe. They will feel emotionally unstable and uneasy. No one wants divorce. God hates divorce. But unfortunately, it does happen. And if we believe the statistics which is a sad statistic, whether you're a Christian or outside of the Christian faith, it's about 50, 50% that half of marriages in America will fail. And there is some ramifications to the children. Uh, in cases of divorce, people who divorce, children divorce even higher rate than, than those who come from families that don't divorce. So there is a legacy issue with divorce. But for the sake of the children, dads, I encourage you to love, love your wife. For the sake of the children, love your wife. Because I know it can be hard and times can be difficult. But if the marriage can be in somewhat stable, the children will be emotionally stable. Don't allow yourselves to drift apart. Because according to what Jesus wants us to know, loving your children, mother, will 
help love your children even more. And ultimately, we are to love God the most. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 39. One of the teachers of the law came to Jesus and asked, What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Randy Alcorn, who is a um, financial consultant and also a former pastor, he writes this, There is no substitute for time spent with your Father in heaven. Time in his word and prayer is never wasted. It sets our compass to true north and brings quality to all the rest of our time. So the best thing for our children, to love our children better, it is for us to love God with all of our hearts. And the second thing, is then to love our wives with all of our hearts. So, men, fathers, how is your marriage? And be mindful of also, how is your time with God? To help dads see the big picture, the last thing I have for Jesus that would say to dads is that live your life with the end in mind. Live your life with the end in mind. It's kind of neat. At my stage of parenting as a father, you know, my children are kind of grown up. They're out of college. um, They're in the workplace. They actually mentor me sometimes. They parent me. And my son recently sent me an email. He forwarded an email that he got from one of his spiritual mentors. And it was a good reminder of me, uh, for me, about how to be uh, a man, how to, be a, uh, how to be a father, how to be a husband. And it, it comes from uh, a principle that comes from Stephen Covey's uh, classic book, The Seven Habits of, uh, of Highly Effective People. And that principle is to begin with the end in mind, right? To begin with the end in mind. Essentially, how do you want to be remembered when you are dead? When you're on your deathbed, how do you want to be remembered? How would your obituary, would you like to have written for yourself? And, and studies show that when, when people are on their deathbed, they don't think about how much money they made. They don't think about all the things they bought. They don't look at how their resume looks like, all their accomplishments. The only thing that generally when you've met with people, and I have, when you meet with them in the hospital, when you meet them at their homes when they're dying, they don't talk about those things. The things that they're concerned are about the people in their lives. They want to know whether they're going to be taken care of. They want to know who came to visit. They want to know how people perceive them, the people that they've touched in their lives. They want to know more and more about how they will be remembered. And that's important for all of us to wrestle with. And it's wise words from Stephen Covey that we should start our lives. And today is a good starting point. How do you want to see your lives with the end in mind? And Jesus would want you to know that he would hope that you would say that your end in mind will be for your children to see me, me being Jesus, 
in your life? Will they see Jesus in you? And when you're far and away uh, past from this earth, will people say, and your children in particular, will they say, did they see Jesus in dad? John 13, verse 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Our children learn more from what they catch than what they are taught. It's caught more than taught. So dads, does your life have evidence that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? And are you obedient to Jesus' commands? Do you love others, including your wife and children, in the name of of Jesus Christ? With the end in mind, think about your reason for living. Is it to glorify God? Is it to pass on to your children a bold and living faith? Psalm 71, verse 18 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Those verses, I hope, are something that that encourages you, Dad, that, that that is a worthy goal in life that you would pass on to your children a living and deep faith. So my question, how do you want to be remembered as a dad? Today is Father's Day. And we take this time to honor all our fathers. And I hope my words this morning have been instructive and encouraging. And uh, I hope that you know that in spite of all our, our shortcomings, that God does love you and he does have a plan for you. And those five things I mentioned today that Jesus might say to you is part of that plan. So I want to have all the dads to stand up right now. I would like to uh, speak a word of blessing to them. And if you're comfortable, it is our custom here, if you would reach out and uh, uh, with your hands to pray for our fathers, that would be a good thing. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for our earthly fathers who balanced the demands of work, marriage, and family with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. We pray for those fathers who have been neglected by their own parents or who must bear the hostility of their children. Please comfort and heal them. We also lift up those fathers who, lacking a good model of a father, depend on you and work even harder to become good fathers themselves. Lord, please bring encouragement to those fathers who may not have always been there for their children, but who offer those children their love and support now, seeking renewed relationship with them. We thank you, God, for fathers whose children have special emotional, physical, or spiritual needs and whose love and support offers a healing place of welcome. We thank you for stepfathers who freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and earn their stepchildren's love and respect. We pray for all fathers and children whose relationship is not what they hope it would be. We grieve, Lord, with those fathers who have lost a child to death. And continue to hold that child in their heart. We rejoice with those who are about to become fathers. May they openly delight in their children. And we pray for those who desire to become fathers. That you may grant them their heart's desire as they look towards you. 
We thank you, God, for those men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. We are grateful for those men who have fathered us in their roles as friends, mentors, and guides. We thank you, God, for the lives of our fathers and grandfathers who have died and lived on our, in our memory and whose love continues to nurture us. And finally, we thank you, God, for being our Father, providing perfect love, generous guidance, and constant embrace to each of us whom you dearly, deeply love. And we thank you in the name of our Heavenly Father. Amen.